Hello, and welcome back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. Skylar Hoke here, joined as always with my friend Tom Jacobs. The golf world had quite the weekend, Tom. How are you doing this Monday morning? Yeah, I'm good. I uh, I must admit, I didn't really have too much skin in the bone yesterday. Obviously, it was great to see uh, Nick Dunlap win um, at the Amex. Obviously, the biggest story of the weekend. First amateur since 1991, I believe it was, when Mickelson won as an amateur. So, uh, one, one big drop for Phil again, I guess. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, that was an amazing story in itself and probably dominates the headlines, right? Um, but Roy McIlroy winning a fourth Dubai Desert Classic is, is huge and perhaps the, the way in which he won it um, was potentially more important. The fact that he was, what, 11 shots behind going into the weekend. Um, and you can argue whether that's his brilliance or Cam Young's um, struggles, whichever way you want to look at it. And we can discuss that a little bit. But yeah, I, I think it's an interesting one. Obviously, I had House on Lee in the mix and there was one point he hit a good approach on a par three on about nine i think it may be 12 or 13 where i dared to dream just slightly um he missed the putt and then went on to reel off three bogeys in a row and and kind of break my heart there but um yeah it was it was otherwise a pretty uneventful week for my picks it was just uh it was just hoping the house and would hold on to a place which he did yeah 100%. That's two weeks in a row, you opening up with a long shot, hitting the board. So good work on your end. Um, I had immediate, and no surprise by the like result, but immediate Tong Lee FOMO <laughs> in the sense that that I've been trying to get better and like not, you know, just jumping off of a little bit of form or like, because if I do that, these type of things, I, I know how I, I can get with some of my angles and betting. The fact that Nick Dunlap wins means I'm probably never going to let an amateur not be on my betting card ever again. You know, like every week, every single one of them. Thor Bjornsson off the injury, finishes T11, you know. But um, Hao Tong was a, a tailor-made bet that you and I would make on this show. And, I mean, there's a reason for us to go back again this week, and we'll, we'll talk on that. But, um, had you know, good result from him. That was fun. Rory, absolutely, um, in, in the manner that he did. Uh, Cam Young, or should we say Scam Young, um, does what, you know, he does on the weekends at times. Neiman hit the board for me, short odds, you know, where you get five, five to one back on his 25 um, yeah. on the each way. So good, good result for him. Steady climbing. Hope to keep seeing him in DP World Tour events. Um, but yeah, I mean, more on Dunlap, man. I mean, that is, I, I kind of tweeted about it late last night because I was a little behind watching, but you and I have had the long discussion of until you see these guys who are dominant at their current level get a fair amount of shots against the the best or the elites. Like I always think there's reason to, if you believe in the talent, to to take advantage. I mean, from a from a better, I'm, I'm just talking about from pure speculation standpoint. Yeah. Like you're not going to get those chances all that, that much, you know, no different than every start of the season when we get these challenge tour guys or, you know, some of the long shots that I want to talk about today who might not even be betting, but who have a great pedigree on their current levels. And then they come up and am I surprised on that point? Of, of, of course, you know, but like in reality, I think you and I have been on board banging the drums that these things can happen and will happen and probably are going to happen even more often with the talent that we see in the game of golf at, at such young, young ages now. I mean, too cool for him to be the one who just held steady at the end and not be the one left and right and in the water. And, you know, I mean, just, just as good, pure 
emotionless almost golf that he could play to to keep himself in the mix and, and ultimately wind up on top was as cool as a thing that I've seen in golf in, in quite some time. You know, loved it for him. Yeah, it was great. It was great that he buried that putt on the last. Like I'd hate for him to have yeah. had to gone to the playoff and, and had to then beat uh Bazin in that way. Um great playing by Bazin Hout, by the way. I know I give him a lot of um yeah. a lot of stick and actually last week I said on, on all the podcasts I did that Actually, last week it was the one time that Bazin actually looked like good value, and, and it turned out that way. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think with Dunlap, it's one of those ones where people are just there's there's some people that overreact and and they think oh he's going to go and contend in major straight away, and and it's a foregone conclusion he's going to win ten times in the PGA Tour. And then there's the people that say oh it's never going to happen again, and it's all just too early. And then there's somewhere in the middle that's probably true, right? And I think that. I sort of read about people were talking about who would you rather pick out of Aberg and Dunlap for a major so far. Everyone was sort of saying, oh, you know, people can't win majors straight away. I mean, like Jordan Spieth and, and Jonas Blix were like in contention at the Masters on their first ever appearance. Right? I know that Jordan Spieth is who Jordan Spieth is, but Jonas Blix isn't. And, you know, Nick Dunlap is supposedly the, the superior talent to someone like a Jonas Blix, like it wouldn't be all that surprising if he somehow went on and, and competed in a major right. So I do think it pays a lot to pay attention to these people. He's back in the field again this week in Torrey Pines. Um, he's gone from what, 400 to one down to 150, 100 to one. Um, I'm sure the number will keep sort of getting skinnier as people kind of get excited about betting him. But to your point, like I think it's as much as we talk about challenge tour players and mini tour players coming onto the DP World Tour and spot starts in this show, it's all relative, right? Like, okay, we're maybe not talking about the talent level of Nick Dunlap when we talk about these players, but they don't need to be to win these tournaments. So it's all relative and it's all important to kind of focus on. We saw last week in, you know, when you've got Rory and Fleetwood and Neiman and, and Cam Young and all those people in the field, it, it's certainly tough. But when you get back to kind of a field like this with Raz Alkaima, um, certainly you can look out for some of these players again. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think it's just, and the way he did it, like he has gotten PGA Tour spot starts, you know, miscut, miscut, yeah. miscut, win type of thing. You know, like those kids have that. I mean, that's what exactly what Wolf did. I'm pretty sure Wolf hadn't made a cut. And then, you know, when Wolf won in, in Minnesota, you know, I just think that's an, another thing where kids are almost fearless and they simply, no matter some of the form on the big stages, have that ability to to step right in and and compete and and win. I mean, they win at their their levels. If it's somebody who wins on the Alps Tour and gets the spots, you know, in in the Challenge and the DP, like we have seen that um, continue. So, um, I think we can transition. Are you good to go into this week? Anything else to close out um, this past week? No, I think just one word on on kind of the Neiman and and the Howsong picks, right? Like I. Look, they weren't going to win. I don't think they were going to win. Like Cam Young had to come back to the field an awful lot to even put us in contention. And then Rory was pretty much looking like he was going to win once he hit the front. But both of those players finished there. And that was potentially the worst they could have finished. Like Neiman, I think, parred the last hole um, despite being long uh, in two on the, the par five. Um, Hao Tong obviously finishing with three bogeys and, and a you know par finish on the... 17th suggests that he could have been you know much more comfortable in the top five so and and with Howtong in particular which will be relevant later on he didn't have it completely like he wasn't completely back he was he was losing a lot of balls um off the tee and you know he was he was either hitting provisional or he was kind of just in bad positions right so his driving off the tee was not great despite that he still had good 
approach numbers and tee screen numbers overall and and he was hitting some miraculous approach numbers uh you know approaches from those weird areas so the talent level is there the belief is obviously back to a certain amount um and he's gonna have an easier time of it this week so i think it's a good time to go into the Raz. yeah agreed Agreed. So we are going, uh, like Tom said, to, to Raz Al-Khaimah. We have seen this uh, event three times on the DP World Tour. One time last year where Daniel Ga- Gavin's won um, in double bogey fashion on the 18th. Quite uh, his close last year. We went in the water twice and then bared a 30-footer to win. Coming back, Tom, that has to be, he's 1,000 to 1 this week. That might be the longest odds anybody has as a return champion, I feel like. Um, for that, yeah. We've seen Gavin... It's crazy. It doesn't happen often, right? Like, I think you, you always look at those, you see those bets sometimes that people put up where they, they look at the defending champions for, yeah. it's not just PJ Tour, right? That people bet them and they get these, they're excited when they get like 12 to 1 or 33 to 1 or 50 to 1. To get a thousand to 1 about the guy that won it literally 12 months ago. Um, look, it's deserved. I think he's basically missed every cut or withdrawn ever since then. Um, but it, it made me think and pause about this tournament and whether we can find a player that just had a little bit about his game, a little bit like what Hao Tong Lee did um, in the sense he just showed a little bit and then then performed. Like Gavin's, I believe, finished like 38th, I think, the week before in a Dubai as a classic before winning here. Nothing too, you know, strenuous, but I think he hit the ball pretty well. And, you know, look, I'm not going to bet him, but one of the names that came up that was like eighth and approach and is probably a bigger number is Sebastian Garcia. And people are like, there's, there's going to be someone like that that's going to go and just hit the ball you know, long um, and, and make a bunch of birdies on an easy golf course and bounce back from a bunch of form that was really poor. So I do think if you have a player that has shown life in recent months, maybe hit the ball well last week but didn't score very well, um, it's pretty worth taking the punts on them. Yeah, yeah. The the two previous winners were um, Nikolai Hoygaard and Ryan Fox. Uh, right, it was Nikolai, right? Yes when they played back-to-back weeks um, in 2022 at this course. And those uh, leaderboards were very driver-heavy. We've just seen, you know, if, you know, Emirates Golf Club, what we talked about last week, we mentioned it, and we, we previewed this week. We I was looking specifically in my card, resembles those that drive it long and showed some life and have a, have a decent number, you know. And that's basically where I landed to – to build this out. Um, and there's a few others that I think are interesting. Um, overall, if I look um, now, we also have a huge step down in, in pedigree, I guess, in the field, you know, if we look at leaders on the odds boards, Rasmus Toygaard, Jordan Smith, Hjörbjörn Olesen, Yannick Paul, all uh, Thriston Lawrence are all, I guess the top five that separate themselves on the board. I am, totally okay passing on on any of them personally um i didn't even really give a hesitation to to any of the guys here did you look i'm I'm always gonna look at hoy garden olison based on the comments that i've made on them but the way that olison played last week um you know over the final couple of rounds was was disappointing and and resmus i like just waiting for him to be 33 one in deeper fields right um There'll be some some interesting Xander Lombard this week, um, at similar sort of prices at the top. But for me, no, I, I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna go there. I think I think the one that I thought you might have picked up on um, in the kind of thirty three to forty to one range was uh, Casey Nakajima. Um, I was kind of expecting you to put him on there based on pedigree, but um, that was probably as as low as I expected you to go. Yeah, yeah, he was 
I mean, if you talk about again shots, on I mean a perfect example, right? I mean, we don't, we haven't really seen him priced all that much in the DP world tour, if at all. What, right? Um, so getting him in this discovery range, I think I've seen him on a few cards this morning from people I respect. I think I think it's very valuable and, and worthy of a play. Maybe the game might not fit exactly here. Um, it's not. I, I don't really think it's a style of golf that he is pretty much played prior to coming over here either, you know? So that's kind of where I'm okay passing. Xander Lombard was very interested in back again. Um, thought he played okay. Sunday didn't really go. I guess some of the days didn't go, go his way, but popped to the leaderboard a little bit. Um, but ultimately, we land on the same guy, Tom, to start our cards, right? And, and we made the the strong case of why Tom Lee was important to bet last week, why – even a third of the odds this week, I think he makes just as much sense. Game is built around right now the driving. However, you can see that approach. I guess the distance, it's kind of better. He's always been wayward, but the approach game, uh, spectacular to your point. Numbers were really strong last week overall. Scores in bunches. Has had success here. Third place finish in the past. It's really just making the same argument with another week of sample size, and at of course he feels comfortable again in a weaker field. It's just it's just the um, attitude that he showed. Like he he was obviously getting worked up, and the commentary were kind of talking about, oh, he shouldn't be so stressed. He's so highly strong. This might you know lead into his problems. But no, I think he's like that because he's obviously feeling like he's close. He's getting excited about being in contention again, and because he hasn't quite got it yet, I think that's why he is you know performing the way he's performing and acting the way he's performing right um and i i think that's a good thing i think you know of course you don't want someone to, to completely lose their head down the stretch right but i do want someone that shows that they care that's got a little bit of fight in them and that is ultimately reacting in that way because they think they can win um and that's what house on lee is showing and as you said the third place finish on his debut here in the razo championship because there was the championship and then the classic right back to back so he mm-hmm. finished there with a final round 63 to finish third. And bearing in mind he started that week with an opening round of 74 and finished third is, is pretty miraculous. So he went from 100th to third. Um, and then uh, the time after that, he then uh, finished 33rd as well. But didn't play here last year, but not too worried about that. Just worried about the fact that he's kind of hitting those approach numbers in exactly what we want to see from House on the 10th and 5th the last two weeks. Uh, strokes going approach and 16th and 36th in T-screen. Now, as I said, there, there was some wayward driving and that's going to affect his T-screen numbers, but overall just really solid now. And there is a massive drop in class. I don't think Houghton needs a drop in class to perform. I think he's the sort of player that just wins at any level, right? If, if he's ready to do it, we you know famously keep going back to the 36-hole lead at the PGA Championship. But inside the top seven all week last week, always in contention really, um, and then inside the top 15 for the first four rounds or the first four rounds of the year, the Dubai Invitational, I I can't avoid... What, what I can do with Hao Tong Lee and what we've probably been guilty of in the past is not being able to get off. Like, if he plays poorly this week, I'll just jump straight back off. Like, I, like I'm pretty volatile on Hao Tong Lee, but when he's playing the way he's playing, I think you have to bet him. Agreed. Agreed. And I maybe some will not be willing to stomach the price after they almost yeah. hit it at a big number last week and i get it but um i can't be it's, denied it's all relative like like i had a hard time watching him go from thousands of one down to 150 last week and still or 200 and still playing him right but it's all relative when these are thousands ones because he's missed 36 cuts in a row whatever it was that he did um i'm exaggerating slightly there but like 
when he's doing that, you have no reason to bet him. As soon as there's a reason to bet him, he's not 150 to one goal for anymore. So I was quite happy to go 150 to one, 200 to one on him. And when he's played that well for two weeks in a row in deeper fields, and now he's coming to a weaker event, I'm all in on playing him at 50 to one still. So um, how to only at 50 to one, absolutely fine with me. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Uh, we each have uh, another one. I think yours is a little uh, shorter. So why don't you go into the golfer who I think has the best hands in the world when it comes to short game? Yeah, Pablo Larafabal is a player. I, I, I've always been pretty comfortable betting Larafabal. He's someone that I'm, I'm pretty happy betting a lot of the time. I think the number's always relatively long to, to the history of Larafabal. You know, he's a multiple winner on tour and someone that's won really impressively in the past. Finished the year with a couple of top 20 in his last five starts to close out the year. One of those was at the Qatar Masters, which is great. He was 16th there. Finishes 20th at the Dubai Invitational to start the season, but weekend rounds of 68 and 67 really uh, improved over after a slow start. And then last week, similar similar situation. He opened 73-69, wasn't really in the mix, and then shoots a 70-66 over a weekend where it was tougher to score. Um, I think Rory referenced it that he thought 67-67 was good enough for him to win. Um, so for Larefba, shoot 70-66 um, and finishing fourth place in the manner that he did it, as excited as he got down the back nine, really impresses me. And then you go back and look at how he's played well here. He finished third on his debut. He was second going into the final round, finished third. And then he was 56th here last time um but he was 11th after round one 23rd after round two so mixed bag like it always is with Larafa Bell like he's playing two or three good rounds at the moment and, and not four and and his course form here is one really good finish and one middling finish but at 45 50 to one whatever it is that you can get about him now um in this quality of field I think he's good value yep yep I mean he he is fun to I would say trust like it, it is a, a trust factor with him that trust and odds i mean we're getting him off of victories in yeah. in these type of numbers you know like he's yeah. just somebody who is yeah the boards don't respect him but like man he, he has the pedigree and wins to it um i did think at one point he was going to win a major championship last year unfortunately <laughs> you know that didn't come true but no, big but, fan but of pablo the thing, the thing is about that right like like i had this it's funny to look back now and think, you know, why are we batting Larafa about majors? But the thing is, the the guy is a, a serial winner, really, on the on the DP World Tour. There's, there's no real way of denying that. Um, I know he's he's been around for a long time. He's forty years old. It's not exactly like he's a youngster, but he's a nine-time DP World Tour winner. It's not it's not someone that, you know, like a Marcel Seam is really really popular, and people don't really question betting him, and he's won four or five times, whatever it is that he's done. But that was over a big long period. 15 years, nine wins. That's, you know, that's a really impressive return. And it's not like some of these Spanish players that he's just won in Spain and that's it. Um, you know, he's won in the Middle East. He's won in Germany a couple of times. He's won in France. He's won in Korea. He's won, you know, everywhere. Holland. Like, he's, he's been around. He's lost in a playoff as well. So he could have had 10 wins. You know, for me, he's a really impressive player. That doesn't get a lot of credit for, for the player that he is. Yeah. Uh, I, I can absolutely echo your thoughts. Now, I went with another Spaniard in this range. I thought we had a conversation last week, Tom. We did. You said you were going to be you know, gearing up Alejandro for last week. We're betting him this week. He shows a little life. Was it the Sunday 102 that he shot that put you off? Or I mean, that was 
you talk about disappointing. I'm always one of those guys when you wake up in the morning, you scroll to the bottom of the leaderboard and then you work your way up. <laughs> now, if you use the DP World Tour app, it's hasn't let you star favorite players in 18 months now. It literally doesn't let you star your favorite players. If you're a flash score person, I get it. You can see it a little bit quicker, but I like the app. So you go in there and you expect to wait to see somebody's name. Then you're slapped in the face with Alejandro Del Rey at plus six through eight holes near the bottom of the leaderboard after I thought we were placing on Sunday. That was yeah. bad. Yeah. I don't I don't know what to do. Like there's one space on my card and it and this might still be it, right? Like I might still do it because he was like I'm really happy with the process of picking that player last week. Like he he did everything I kind of expected. Um, actually, what he didn't do really was drive it as well as I potentially thought he would do, Sky. I messaged you during the during the week and sort of said, you know, he was, he was hitting the ball quite well from an approach standpoint and wasn't really hitting it off the tee in the way that I would expect. Um, so I guess in that respect, you can look at it and go, well, maybe there's still room to improve. Now, he improved on that in the, in the final round. I think he was actually uh, eighth off the tee, which is strange considering he shot as bad as he did. Um I don't know, Sky, whether that's like a player like Del Rey who's impatient, like he just wants to go out and win. So if he's in 10th place, he's going to try his absolute best to go and shoot 61, 62 on a golf course that doesn't allow that bit of naivety, or whether it was just harder, it was windier, whatever it was. So I think I'm willing to give him another chance. It's just It was just that big drop from the price, I guess. But as we just spoke about with House on Lee, if someone's shown a reason why, and he was 28th last year and... Yeah, like I think there's good reasons to back him. Yeah, and I mean, we were, you know, in parallel last week, fifth, seventh, leading in as two, as two uh, events to close out the year, 27th, 17th, 25th, and three of the four events previous to that. You know, his, his official number was 10th going into the final round if he opened 72-68. So had a really strong Saturday to run up the board. I don't know, it's picture perfect for what I'd be looking at for us building out this event life before you know without necessarily making a ton of flash and being the 28 that xander lombard is but we know his game he's probably the longest guy in the entire field um we know his college pedigree at arizona state he's won the challenge tour it, it ticks every mark for me he was an automatic bet you know 50 to 1 isn't the best but i'm I would rather like I'm not betting Nick Bachum this week because yeah. he's shown nothing. And like we always go back and maybe because in parallel we hit that win, right? Right. We we had that awesome Nick Bachum hit last year. A lot of people were on and it just made sense of exactly this formula at a course we know is going to fit well. I'm not on Nick this week because he's shown relatively not as much life since he closed out the year in the last kind of swing events where Alejandro has and I'll take the price cut in half compared to Bakken this week. So I'll take 50s on Alejandro. Yeah, it's tough. I don't know. Like it's because I know it's probably his best last chance of the season already, which is wild considering it's t- like, obviously his form can improve, but in terms of actual just course fit and, and based on what he's done over the last sort of 2023 and the start of 2024, it kind of feels like his best chance to get a win this season. Um, we'll come back to that on my part, but obviously you're fully in on Alejandro now at 50 to one and, and I'll kind of decide as we go along. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. So I go to triple digits next. Tom, I think. Yeah. Okay. Anybody between 50 and 100 that you think is intriguing to quick touch on? Last week, again, I apologized off here. 
I cut off Tom harshly last week before his picks because I wanted us to speak on a few extra golfers. Tom, you have my full permission to make sure you can you know, pay me back in that manner to stop me in my tracks whenever I'm, I'm off the course. So you were just doing what I exactly had asked you to. So I apologize again. And if there's anybody here in this range that you'd like to speak on, your floor. So I think there's a couple of Julian Gurrier's got an intriguing record at this golf course. I think he's someone that was interesting. He but he's only like 51 in one place. And he's generally speaking 35, so I think that's far too low. Um Bernd Wiesberger's back again, so I'm always gonna be intrigued at how he does. Is Laurie Cantor gonna come and do what he couldn't do for me last week? Probably. Um so so those guys are there in between that number. Um in terms of kind of between the 50 and 100 to 1 mark, I think it's Wiesberger is the one to look at. I think this is a player that we know who's got an awful lot of quality. Louis Diego should love the course set up, so should Nicholas Norgard Muller. And Frederick LaCroix had a really good end of 2023. But there wasn't a whole lot, really, actually, that my concentration of all my picks from now and the shortlist was all 100 to 1 and bigger. Yeah, it does look like my selection freshly cut uh, and I'm happy to still go in at the new number I can talk to him next but yeah Norgard Moeller um, is if you look at Fitz he could probably challenge Del Rey as the longest guy Heli Kilda I feel like has gone a little bit under the radar from what we used to bet him at these type of events he has a good finish here I thought that earlier like is he kind of out of sight out of mind and we should be giving him a little bit of attention but there's not a whole lot to suggest that we should. Like he's he's had a couple of decent rounds and it's not enough to get excited. The ball striking is not sort of sticking up or anything like that. So I'm not too concerned about that one. I feel like there's been some pretty drastic cuts. Um, and did he play here? 40 seconds. I guess the discovery range, if I'm thinking of somebody else, like the 50s, I, he's 50 now here in the States. Dan Bradbury went from like being what he would almost be, if he had a couple like decent weeks, like maybe a top 10 and like a 20, he would have been among like some of the favorites. You see what like Thriston, yeah. like we were betting him. What did we bet Bradbury in South That's Africa? Three, I think. Probably in the, honestly, I might have bet him in like the 25 range, you know? Yeah. So it feels pretty good at a course where, I mean, he's not. I mean, he's not short. I mean, he's and he can. Right. I mean, his, his his putts putter was terrible last week. He's gonna have to score. So I'm okay, probably passing. But he's getting into that range. If we see a little bit of life again, 50s is is pretty nice uh, for Bradbury here. Guido has played well back to back weeks. 13th, 25th, um, been terrible at this course. Uh, but Guido Guido radar is is starting to go off a little bit. Well, yeah, well, I can feel wow. it. Um, Jeff Windsor. And I wanted to bet him at that first event of the year. Pretty like, bad. And he shot a million on Saturday. Yeah. 12th at the Challenge Tour here. And then he was okay for a couple of rounds the first time they played on DP World Tour. I just, to me, he's someone that's actually really impressed. But it, it's the, the finish last week that kind of puts me off. And you know, the 78 at the Dubai Invitational suggests it's not all there. Um, so I'm not too worried about someone that it's not like he's a perennial winner. Um, but yeah, worth mentioning, I guess. Yep. Yep. Um, so I guess I'll just go right into my, my next pick. And we, we kind of tipped a little bit last week of what we're looking at 
um, for, for this week. And it's early, right? We don't really have all of the profiles like I would love to have for the challenge tour guys. Like I'm doing the best that I really can with research. I mean, I'm, I'm trying, literally this is what I'm doing. I'm typing in guys' names and then I'm typing in distance or like driving or swing. I even watched some swing videos this week to see, do I think based off of that swing, this guy is like in the upper echelon of distance? I would kill for like the, man, just, I would love to have that ability. Like the, even the corn fairy stats for the challenge tour, yeah. you know, driving distance on two holes. Like it can help <laughs> us so much with these guys. But one of them that I'm very confident from the eye test watching and early strokes gain stuff is Jesper Svensson is very long. He's got good irons. He already, man, we almost took him to the window at the South African Open. He arguably should have won that event when, when Dean came in there. Uh, he was the first round leader, I believe, 36 hole. He was right there. Last week, 31st, Hero Dubai, strong off the tee, strong approach. Um, you know, just enough on the radar that I think he's getting cut because he's getting tipped that people are definitely in on him. Um, but Svensson is somebody that, that totally seems to fit the bill and what this course demands. And there's just not enough known from him to make him lower odds than this. So AVs is where he is. And I'm cool with that. Yeah. Svensson, I, I think for me, he was one, one of the final ones kind of off my short list. It, the, the stats that I've got is that he averaged 328 yards in round one, 315 in round two, which is fifth and 17th respectively. And then he was really short off the tee on Sunday, like 285. But overall, he was kind of 16th in the field in terms of distance, which sounds about right when you've kind of got Rory and Cameron Yarg and Nikolai and Del Rey and everyone else in the field. So I think he's strong enough. And I think look, we've, we've talked about Svensson already at length uh, in the preview show and things like that. I think he's still good value. I think this is a player that's got something about him. I think 31st in a field that he played in last week when he's never seen the golf course was impressive. So, um, yeah, I think there's every reason to go back to someone like a Svensson, uh, especially at a course and an event where I think anyone can kind of win. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. He, he, you know, winner last year on the Challenge Tour in his first event of the year, uh, you know, Close with the second, second, 13th, 11th, and Forbes last five events. Just had a really strong challenge tour year. Um, you know, 27 years old, so has played a good amount of professional golf. Yeah, I, I feel confident in Spence in here. Um, let's go with your duo next, Tom. Yeah, so the first one I thought was going to be a little bit shorter than this based on just how much attention he was getting on the coverage yesterday. Like, it, they kept going back to him because he was playing quite well. Um over the weekend, he had a good second round. He shot 63, and then he, he was kind of flashing off. But Masahiro Kawamura finished seventh last week. And I, I think I actually spoke about this guy. Didn't we talk about players that were, like, in the 501 range? And we sort of said, I think I threw away his name and Manasero. And look, that wasn't me suggesting that I thought he could win. Like, I absolutely didn't. But it was kind of a look ahead to this week because he came. he's coming back to a golf course where he finished 27th and 6th at um, in his two starts here. Um, I was really impressed with the 100 to 1 that you can still get back Karamora, considering the field that he just finished 7th in. Um, open with 75, bounces straight back with 63 last week, 72, 69 weekend in tough scoring conditions. It's not like he completely fell away after that 63, which so often people do. 
Um, and yeah, the most recent evidence we've got about Caramora is that he finished sixth here. And it's, it's right up the street of someone like Caramora who loves to go low, can string a lot of birdies together. I think he's that kind of um, first round leader type candidate as well. He, he loves to get off to a fast start at times. 15th in strokes can approach, 10th in strokes can see screen Caramora. I, I'm pretty comfortable with 100 to 1 about him. So Masahiro Kawamura is the first of the duo. The second... Remember, he did he did really well in the uh, qualifying school. He was trying to get his Corn Ferry Tour card, got all the way to final yeah. stage after he got through first and second. So um, definitely intrigued. And, and I think about, wasn't it when Shinquin won that he had the chance to win? Um, a couple of players going for their kind of first wins, and that was you know, a really low-scoring event. So for me, Kawamura is someone that kind of sticks in my mind at these types of events. And then the second one, who I I can't believe I had to scroll down to triple digits to find, and I think it's definitely a case of out of sight, out of mind, really, for someone. But we were really high on Johannes Veerman for a good period of time, and rightly so, right? Like, I think he was a strong talent that came over, played well quickly, kind of in a similar sort of bracket to... Sean Crocker in our eyes of, of favourites and, and the type of player that he is. Finished the year, he, you know, he struggled a little bit, but he finished here 38th at the South African Open. He was 18th after 54 holes. And then 39th for the Alfred Dunhill, where he was 7th after 54 holes. And then he comes right back uh, to start the year with a 16th place finish at the Dubai Desert Classic last week. Now, never in contention, 27th after round one, lower than that for two, two and three rounds. But he's coming back to a golf course where he's played really well like 12th on his debut he was fifth after 54 holes third after round one and then 19th last year where he's never outside the top 20. for the talent that we know johannes beerman is the fact that we know he's capable of getting himself into contention and, and really you know you know threatening to to win um i see no reason why beerman who's won the czech masters and, you know, you have to put, hit the wall pretty long there, beat Crocker, as we kind of mentioned there, to do that. Yeah, I, I think Veerman's overpriced in triple digits. I, I can't, I know it's been a couple of years since that win, but I, I'm pretty confident that he's a decent value over at 100 one. Yeah, he popped on my radar a little bit last week, too, just going into the event after, yeah. like you mentioned, close the year okay, really good tee to green overall. Yeah, I mean, what was that, top 20 at the Barracuda um, in, in the summer there, too? Yeah, I mean, we've thought very highly of, of Veerman for a substantial amount of time. So I'm hoping we start to see that golf because he was somebody, and maybe it is just you you tie the American to being able to play well, you know, as you get back stateside and, and into you know, PJ Tour. But, man, he was on the trajectory that you would have expected to, to be there by now and, and, and make it head waves. So, Hopefully, um, you're catching it right for him. Yeah, and he was 8th eight, eight oh. and 19th in the last year when he was in these two events. 8th at the Dividers of Classic, 19th in this. If he can go kind of 16th and 5th, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities. Like it's obviously a time of year and a type of event that he likes and part of the world that he likes. So, um, quite comfortable finish off my card with Johannes Veerman. Yep, absolutely. All right, I'm scrolling for a bit for mine here, um, Tom. No surprise. Now again, we can we can filter through kind of some quick one-offs on guys um, that we like, but again, trying to fit the bill for somebody who we have very little information on, shown some life in these early events um, for him. And the one that I came across, 250. Now we've had he's been around professional golf for a lot longer, 31 years old, but 
Hugo Crusade is somebody who seemingly runs up the driving distance um, leaderboards quite frequently. Now, again, 2017 was when he was kind of ripping up the Alps tour, made his way, and basically was a, a longtime journeyman on the, the Challenge Tour. Like, he played the Challenge Tour for six years, pretty much. And last year was kind of his, his run to glory as he started off his year second, sixth, 13th, 20th, 21st, win, 15th, second, and basically had it, you know, wrapped up for for his his car to come up. He popped up to the DP World Tour, made cuts at the Sudal Open and the Porsche European Open. And I don't, if I'm not mistaken, two courses that we do look at at times for distance type of players, right? McKibben wins that one who's popular this week, Forstrom won at the other. Um, but... Oh no, Rinkfin isn't as much. Porsche European Open would be the one. So the the McKibben one, where he was 65th at, you know, and what we've seen now in 24 for him is miscut, 38, 15th, and then then 70th. So nothing to write home all about, but enough for me to have a profile and a speculation on somebody with a little bit of life. I mean, if we did into kind of his, his driving distance rankings last week, he was 12th um, for him. I think earlier in the year, he was inside the top 15 and another one when we see him, I mean, he is somebody overall that I have no doubt is probably a top 10 distance guy in this field. And Three made cuts for him is saying something at these odds. So I, I think I can confidently go in on Kusad this week for somebody who has basically played the best golf of his professional career in a decade. Yeah, and I just think anytime you're getting a player like this that, that is on the rise is, is the time to play them, right? Like we, we don't know whether Kusad is peaked and that's it. And, you know, he's, he's going to play one year and be done again sort of thing. But we've seen with players like Nathan Kimsey, who's kind of a similar profile that, did nothing when he first got onto the DP World Tour, was, you know, spent a lot of time in challenge training. All of a sudden, he was challenging for PJ Tour titles. And look, that, that's PJ Tour by name only, I guess, in the sense that it's probably more of a DP World Tour level field. But it still means the same. They're still going to be playing for PJ Tour cards, still the same sort of pressures. Um, that's not what they're going to face this week. So I think, yeah, it's a great time to play with someone like Hugo Casado. You think there's something there? A um, couple of names I will mention before we come into your final pick. Ross Fisher, really close for me. Um, if he wins... Always. Then, you love I, Ross. I don't know what's going to happen if he wins. Uh, I might not be here next week. Um, Callum Shinkwin, another one, I think is, you know, we, we think about him as someone that can drive the ball pretty well, uh, take advantage of the scoring here. And then the other one player that I'll mention that wasn't on my radar until I was just looking while you were talking about Hugo there was, what about Brandon Stone? Wasn't he showing a bit of life, like, towards the end of last season. I think he finished 11th in the Challenge Tour final, uh, played okay in the final event of the year. I think in Mauritius, he was top 15 after a couple of rounds and played well here in the past. You know, a couple of top 20, top 25 finishes for Brandon Stone. Big, big power guy at his best. Um, so I think Brandon Stone is someone worth keeping an eye on, but not enough to kind of put him up as a peak. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I actually saw him tipped, I believe, this morning by um, somebody too. And I just... Yeah, I think it was just interesting enough. The only thing I left out on Ugo was kind of a fast starter. He was 12th after um, first round last week. The week before that, he was 10th. week before that, 16th. So, you know, again, a couple pops in rounds, enough for me to to be willing to, to go in there. And 
there's a few weeks that I had to go off without being able to talk to him, talk about him on the air. But the golfer who we were as high on as anybody graduating from um, Q School or the Challenge Tour was Sam Jones. Now, Sam Jones is 500 to 1. I really thought there was multiple opportunities that we were looking at Sam Jones being like that instant flash onto the, the DP World Tour. He was sixth after 54 holes at the Australian Open, seventh after 36, shot a 78 on Sunday, was long odds again the next week where he was fourth after the first round, finished 25th, sandwiched a couple of miscuts around then. Um, he was recently on Craig Thompson's uh, podcast, um, our friend there, and kind of talked about his overall game. And when kind of asking Craig a little bit more on him, um, you know, Craig Thompson, he said that, you know, he, he really, and I saw this even in an Instagram video, that he was 180 plus ball speed, looking like he was built around some distance. Um, it has to maybe even tone it back a little bit to play when the, the fairways are required, but you know, driving driving distance for him was uh, a huge thing on those importance. So Sam Jones, 500 to one this week. If we know enough about him popping, he flew through Q school as an amateur. I'm a mid-am. So I think there's a lot. Sam Jones, 500 to one with the each ways here. Probably get a top 10 with that too. But I'm not quitting yet on Sam Jones either. Good good time of the season not to quit on people. Um, and, I, and I think that an event that just absolutely – plays into players outside him. Like, if, if that is completely true, that he is a bigger hitter than we kind of seen so far because he has to dial it back, then that's only good news, right, um, for him. So I think it's a perfect event to see him back. Do you know, I mentioned at the start of the show that Jonas Blixt went out and, and contended a major... I didn't realise he was playing this week. So he got... Um, when Ram went to live, Blixt went from 201 to 200... <laughs> And so now he fits into this category um, <laughs> Which is up there. I mean, he finished, he shot 83-75 at a great Exuma Classic last week. So I don't suppose we're expecting yeah. too much from him this week. And we haven't done for a long time. But wouldn't it be cool if Jonas Pitts came over and played well in Europe? That'd be exciting. Um, yeah, nothing else to add other than a bit of nostalgia factor there. And the fact that I completely mentioned him with no relevance to the fact that he was actually in the field this week. Um, Filippo Cello's back. Mm-hmm. Saw that. Valiant is someone that I think we'll mm-hmm. kind of keep an eye on throughout the season. But look, these are, I'm just naming names here. There's, there's, there's not really. Freddie Scott is someone that's, that people have been talking about. John Wonko hits it a decent way. There, there's names, right? Dylan Fratelli would never have been 250 to 1 DPR tour field two or three years ago. So um, there's a bunch of names down here that, that would be interesting if you just want to take a flyer. Um, I'm not because I'm just kind of focusing on that mid range. Through all of this, Sky, that through the final picks, I am going to stick with what we said last week. I am going to go with Alejandro Del Rey and, and make him back-to-back selection. So I would just really struggle to see him win after being so happy with the process through 54 holes mm-hmm. last week of picking him. It makes perfect sense that he'd come back and play well again this week and, you know, lower pressure. Ease. If anything, like, it's just going to be so much easier, right? Like, it's going to be so much easier off the tee. There's going to be no stress. He's not going to doubt himself and, and things like that. So um, I'm going to join you on Alejandro Del Rey, which means that there's no room uh, for anyone else on my card. All right. Totally fair. Um, the only guys, I say only guys, I got like six I want to rip off <laughs> quick. Um, you mentioned Jonas Blix. Sung Kang is also in the field playing on nice. that exemption too. 
while I used to think Kang was like a bomber when he, he was like, he was in the Gankus gang uh, and he was getting a lot of distance, but it doesn't seem to be relevant anymore. Um, I I think you could always do worse than blindly betting Casey Jarvis when he gets to these numbers. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not there, but he's somebody that I feel like you could just click on every single week and and be happy with. Um, But the one that I really want to talk about is that exemption category that now um, these guys got into the field, thankfully. So Nakajima, you mentioned earlier, um, being being the one who's priced at 40 to one. Michaluzzi is triple digits. He comes off a fifth at the Australian uh, event that he played in last. Um, Am Prakush, let me make sure I have it here. Um, Am Prakush Chuhan, win, win, 10th in three of his last five events. He won the PGA Tour of India Challenge Tour um, combo event, so he immediately got elevated to challenge tour status. Um, and he was the PGA Tour of India's um, order of merit leader. So, again, somebody who really hasn't gotten the shots on this stage, 37 years old, uh, for him to be there, had a really strong year. Um, Guxin Chen, 20 years old, 1,000 to 1 this week. If you search him on Twitter, all you're going to find is him being littered on betting cards of guys over the last three, three years or so at long odds. Or even I saw him at, you know, short odds, 10 to one getting tipped in the China tour event. He was professional, I believe at 17 winning on the China tour, um, just competing. He almost won. Where was he last year? He just, he just has that pedigree of strong amateur career jumped quickly to the professional ranks one um you know kind of early last year yeah china tour asian tour finished second at the volvo china open i don't know if he's going to be somebody that we get at a thousand to one that many times he won twice on the asian development tour in 2022 twice on the china tour 2021 so i just find that interesting when you start to get especially at his age I think that's everybody for me. The only other guys in that category, Jocko Prinslow is getting starts um, to there, but no, I'm happy to close out Tom. If you want to uh, give us your betting card in a second here, I'm going to make sure we give a shout out to our audio listeners. You can find us on daily fantasy sports picks and bets. The mix available on all of Mayo media network platforms. Appreciate your guys' support rate review, subscribe, um, leave comments, love seeing the comments on YouTube. We really appreciate all the love um, that you guys give us. Um, so, Tom, you can go ahead and close us out here with your betting card. Yeah, so for me, it's Pablo the Raffabel at 45 to 1. I am now joining you on Alejandro Del Rey at 50 to 1 to make sure I don't miss out when he wins. Uh, Hao Tong Lee at 50 to 1. Masahiro Karamora at 100 to 1. Um, and Johannes Veerman at 110 to 1. Uh, really surprised that duo, that those last two duos are 100 to 1 and bigger. Yeah, and there's still 80s with each ways here in the States, too, yeah. which is pretty nice. Um, so I'll be on, like we said, Alejandro Del Rey is 50 to 1 with each way here. How Tong Lee, we'd love a little one two, um, you know, exacta for those guys being on together. That would be a great way uh, to go this week. Jesper Svensson, 80 to 1. Ugo Kusa, 250 to 1. Sam Jones, 500 to 1. Those last two, I'm somebody who likes a first round leader on a long dart on your card. If either of those two, if we get a wave split or go off early, don't be surprised to see a first round leader tacked on there um but that does it for this week so Russell kind championship coming up excited for this one because it's kind of our first event of the year tom that we get 
not a strong field. This is where we excel. We love it in this range. I'm surprised that there's as much value as there is in this field. Like, I, I actually thought we were going to be really struggling with putting up guys at 20, 25 to 1 and being really unhappy about it, but happens to do it because there was no one else. But we're living in that kind of 45, 50 to 1 range, and I feel really comfortable about it. So between Hao Song, Alejandro Del Rey, and Larafa Bell, I think we've got some really strong picks in there. Um, and I just can't believe some of the 100 to 1 shots we've been able to get. So um, really happy about this week, actually. I think it's good value. Tory Pines is a slightly different uh, prospect altogether. So really happy that we've got at least a good betting event um, over here in, on the DP World Tour. Yeah, it's time for the, the deep odds guys to come to the DP World Tour. You know, we have yeah. all these long shots on the PGA Tour. Let's bring it overseas and let's yeah. hit, a, hit a big winner for us. So thanks again, everyone, and we will catch you next week. Take care.